This is the BBC. Hi, I know you're expecting Moneybox, but while they're away for August, you've got us looking after you. He's Steve Bougea, and I'm Aisha Thomas-Smith, and this is Economics with Subtitles. We're here to explain the basics, so that you can make up your own mind when you watch the news, read the paper, or get into a heated debate with your friends. And we hope you like it. Hello and welcome to Economics with Subtitles. Your everyday guide to economics and why you should care. I'm Aisha Thomas-Smith and I make podcasts about money and stuff. And I'm Steve Bajaya, stand-up comedian with a degree in economics. I'm the only one, that's why I got this job. You do economics every day. When you choose a coffee shop pastry because you never quite got round to making your own muesli. When you confront the painful realisation that Freddo's just don't cost 10p anymore. When you're in your overdraft and still think, screw it, I'm getting an Uber home. You're doing economics. But sometimes it can feel like economics is doing you. It's all acronyms, formulas and old men telling you to stop buying avocados. On Economics with Subtitles, we are your translators, here to help you get a handle on what economics means for your life and break down the jargon. We're here to put the fun back in economics. To do fun isn't in the word economics. Well, I have been spelling it wrong. This week... The price of stuff. We're starting with the sex lives of Venezuelans and what that has to do with inflation. I've been speaking to Mariana Zuniga, who is a journalist there. We're living through an economic crisis and these economic crises have caused the shortages of many things, including condoms and other kind of contraceptive. You can find them in some places, but they are very expensive. Yesterday I went to the shop and I found around seven boxes and the cost was more than one million and our minimum wage is three million. So Steve, Venezuelans earn three million bolivars a month on the minimum wage, so it takes almost two weeks of earnings to buy a single pack of condoms. That's mad. I don't think I'll ever spend that much of my earnings on condoms in my entire life. Neither do I. Neither do I. Different reasons. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Mariana says this is changing the way that people are having sex. In Venezuela, some people are using old-fashioned ways to avoid getting pregnant. And when I said old-fashioned ways, it's like the withdrawal method or the rhythm method, which is tracking your menstrual history to predict when you'll ovulate. Okay, so are some people just having less sex, just opting out? No, I don't think people are having less less sex. (laughs) Um, I I, I don't think, like, I don't see people using abstention as their new contraceptive method. Much less Um, fun, much less fun. Exactly, they are just using these other methods. So what's been the impact of all of this? Many people in the medical sector, they they have said that a rise on unwanted pregnancies have uh, started in Venezuela since since the crisis, also a rise in STDs, uh, a rise in uh, HIV. And due to the rise in the cost of contraceptive pills, there has also been an increase in women taking permanent steps to avoid getting pregnant. So some young women are even choosing to be sterilised. Mariana spoke to a clinic in Caracas. Last year they sterilised 400 women, and this year they'd reach 400 by May. So they're expecting the numbers to at least double. Before, the women that that were sterilised in Venezuela were more than 30 and with more than three children. Now uh, you can find women around 19, 20, 24 that are looking to be sterilized because they, they can't afford to have another children because they can't find 
pills on the market anymore and they are just it's just desperation they are desperate they want they want to as i heard from one of these women close the baby factory because mm. the situation is really really hard wow so that is young women making permanent changes to their body because of hyperinflation Venezuela is an extreme example, but it does illustrate how inflation, something that may seem quite abstract, can change how we act. We're going to focus on how inflation works in general, and to help me is Rajiv Prabhakar, who's an economist at the Open University. So, Rajiv, why can they charge more for things when they're scarce? So, for example, if you've got 10 things to sell and there's a queue of 100 people who want that 10 things then as a seller, you, you can increase your price. Say if you increase it uh, by a little bit, then maybe 10 of those people might drop out, but you've still got 90 people who still want to buy those 10 goods. So you can increase your price again, and maybe another 10 people drop out. And so what happens is the seller can keep increasing their prices, so these people will drop out until you'll get eventually 10 buyers wanting to pay for the 10 goods. So what exactly causes inflation? There are a variety of different causes, right? But one such cause, in this sort of example of the kind of queuing system that we just talked about there, was excess demand. And so because there's lots more people who want a particular good or service, it allows sellers to push their prices up. There are other cases where Sometimes the actual the cost of the good itself increases for a variety of reasons. Um, maybe wage costs have gone up. And so if you're a seller, you might be able to absorb some of those increased costs yourself. But at some point, in order to, to recoup your costs, you push your own price up. So that's another pressure on inflation. So here, it's not coming so much from demand, from people wanting the goods. It's, as a seller... I'm facing more prices myself, so I am now going to pass them on to the consumer. But there are other things going on in Venezuela. Some economists say, well, part of the issue is that there's just too much money in the uh, system. And if the government floods a lot of money in the economy, then there's a lot of money sloshing around. You mean print money? Print money. So you've got a situation where if a government prints a lot of money and there's a lot of money sloshing around, then people can just drive up prices and it can almost become a self-fulfilling property. Because everyone's got more money to spend. Correct. So if money becomes more common, it starts to lose its value, so people don't think it's worth as much anymore. Then shopkeepers say they want more of it in exchange for their bread, for example, because their bread has retained its value. One loaf still has 30 slices in it, still provides a good meal to you. So that means shopkeepers charge more money for their bread and this pushes prices up. And inflation can also occur if things become too scarce and there aren't enough goods, like condoms, to go around. Or it can be caused by other prices going up. So if the price of wheat goes up, that will also push up the price of bread. Or if the shopkeeper's wages go up, they might push that cost onto the customer too. It's amazing, because economics just <laughs> seems to be about money at first, but then actually it does affect people's real sex lives. Maybe I can blame it on economics. This is money and sex. <laughs> yeah, our key that's what this show is. <laughs> when inflation is discussed on the news, I, I just switch off because it seems it's just full of jargon, isn't it? And I, I don't think anyone really understands what they're saying. Here is a typical news item about inflation, but don't worry, I am going to provide the subtitles. 
inflation has reached 3%, its highest level for five years. Ah, 3% doesn't sound that bad. The cost of living is rising faster than wages for millions of workers. Okay, that does sound quite bad. We're basically swimming upstream. It's like we're on a paddling pool and it's got a hole in it. But the incomes of pensioners are set to be protected. You workers are getting poorer, but don't worry, you'll still get £2 sellotape in the side of your birthday card from Nana. Inflation rising uh, potentially above the 3% level in coming months is something that we have anticipated. I told you so. We had signalled, in fact, prior to the referendum that we felt that the event of the vote to leave, one of the adjustment mechanisms, would be through sterling. I flippin' told you so! And this is a quote, we expected sterling to fall sharply. It did. That passes through to prices. I told you so! Idiots! That was my interpretation. But I thought I'd actually find out what it means. Now, Jonathan Athau is from the Office of National Statistics, the wildest office in the land, I imagine. Uh, Now, you calculate the figure for inflation, is that right? That's correct. It's our responsibility to understand what's happening with the prices of goods and services that people are consuming. That inflation figure we heard, the 3% inflation figure, what is that? So what we do to calculate inflation is we look at uh, what we call a basket of goods. So these are the goods and services everybody in the country consumes. And we look at how those prices change over time. Uh, We look at, uh, has the price of uh, a pint of milk gone up? Has the price of your rent gone up? We add all those prices together to give a representative idea as to what people are spending, and then look at how those prices are changing. And in that case, we had prices rising by 3% across all the goods and services that people are consuming. So it is based on things we're buying every day? Yes, we try and be as representative as we can of the items that, that people are buying. And that isn't just goods, but it's also the services. Increasingly, you know, we pay for insurance, we pay for rent. So it's, it's the, the goods and services in the shops uh, and everything else that you buy. Now, if there's one thing I know, it's that I am painfully average. So I've been shopping to see what I put in my basket. Speak for yourself. My basket was well above average. Well, we've been shopping to see what we actually put in our basket and see whether it matches what is in the average basket that you guys use to create the figure. Now, in typical game show style, it should be pretty obvious whether ours match or not. Okay, so we're in the fruit and veg aisle. I'm going to, normally I would go through here pretty quickly, but since this has been recorded, I'm going to pick some stuff up. Right, we're starting off with the seeds, nuts and seeds. Cashews. Brown chestnut mushrooms. Chia seeds, an absolute must for all my smoothies. Oh, wait a minute. That was 55p and that was a pound, but I don't think that's double the size of that one. Blueberries and some grapes for my breakfast. Right, seriously, what is the difference between a satsuma and a clementine? What are clementines? All, they look identical. They should all be the same thing. Just little mini oranges. That's what I should call them. Let's get some aubergines. Baked beans, yes please. So I need some pak choy. Four pack. Please find one tin of baked beans. That is your mug. Oh, I need uh, chicken. Bread. I think we've... Oh, we do need bread. She's got mouldy. Bread can be made into toast. I know how to do that. Do you have miso paste? Miso? Miso paste, yeah. Corned beef. I've never had corned beef. I think corned beef will die out. With old people. They've made me sound stupid there. They've edited that. <laughs> I was buying really highbrow stuff. They've, made, they've picked out all the You bought a four-pack of beans for a week. Wow. All right, sorry, Miss Nuts and Seeds. <laughs> I don't think we're typically average, are we, based on that? Miso paste, aubergines, they were in our baskets, but they're not in your baskets. 
No, we will take a, a variety of goods. Now, we have added things like avocados recently, as they've become very popular. So we do try and keep track of, of the things that people are spending. But a typical supermarket will have tens of thousands of products in it, and we can't track all of those prices. Um, so we will often just have a representative item for, say, fruit or vegetables. It won't cover everything that's on offer in your local supermarket. Do you think miso paste might break into the basket in the future? Well, I, 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 that's a closely guarded secret, so I can't... Is it? That one with you. Oh, what do you know? I can't, I can't, I can't tell. Don't but push the man. We change the basket every year. We look at what what's coming and go, goes out. So it does mean that the basket you're using isn't necessarily representative of what we're buying ourselves. No, as I said, we try and be representative of the country as a whole. But we also know that different groups of people have very different spending patterns. So lower income people, for example, tend to spend a higher proportion of their income on food. If you are more well-off, you will spend more money on restaurant meals. So we can see some of those trends at those sort of levels, but we don't always pick up the absolute detail of what different people are spending, whether it's miso paste so or avocados. Are you saying that potentially different groups in society might have a completely different inflation rate? Yes, and we've looked at that at different times, that sometimes, depending on what's happening, so if food prices are going up, if, if they're really going through the roof, then actually people on lower incomes will find their inflation, personal inflation rate, will be a bit higher. So the actual one figure we see on the news, the inflation rates actually might not, not mean that much to us. It is across the economy as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, there will be some people who will say, well, that looks very similar to how I experience things. But there will be other people who say, well, that's quite different. And for me, actually, you know, my inflation rate could be a lot higher or a lot lower. Yeah, I mean, for me, if baked beans go up in price, my inflation rate is going to go through the roof because yeah. it's a big part of my spending. Yeah, four tins a week. <laughs> I think that's an addiction, man. No, that's, I go shopping twice a week. So that's eight tins a week I'm getting wow. through. On that mouldy, mouldy bread. You talked about weight of goods when you were going around the supermarket we have to keep track of that too there's something called shrinkflation right which is where the size of a packet of goods falls uh, but the price stays the same we try and measure that as well because that's essentially an increase in, in price so this one they put less crisps in the packet it, all those oh. sort, sorts of things we, so is, there, is there someone at your office counting crisps well yeah indeed we have to think about the size of packets of crisps chocolate bars all those sorts of things we're trying to measure what what's going on and do different items get a different uh, weighting in the in the calculation? Exactly. So um, food, for example, excluding alcohol, we deal with that separately, is about 8% of the typical basket. And then different goods according to how much you, you spend on them. So housing is the biggest single item. That's about 30% of the basket in all the housing costs. That's not just your cost if you're an owner-occupier. It's also rent, yeah. electricity, gas, all those sorts of things. So it's, it's according to, again, what people are spending. And how do you measure the actual cost of housing? Uh, housing is really quite a difficult thing to, to measure. Now, if you're a renter, it's quite easy. But for people who are only occupiers, it's a really challenging uh, issue. It's probably one of the hardest things to measure. And uh, there are lots of different ways of doing it. We actually use an economics concept. Actually, what's the next substitute for owning your home is actually renting one. Uh-huh. So we look at the price people would have to pay to rent their own home as the cost mm. of, uh, of owning that home. And it's, it's the idea, basically, of, of what economists call opportunity cost. By living in the home, I'm foregoing. I don't have this rent. I could charge on it. So that's the economic cost to me of uh, owning a home. So that's kind of how we do, deal with housing, but it's a really complex uh, complex issue. Fundamentally, the more money people spend on a certain uh, item, the bigger, the bigger impact that has on your figure. At the exactly, end. exactly. Housing is a really big way. It's 30% of what people spend 
um, in, in general. So it's a really big part of the, the basket of goods. Um, now, we have heard of another measure of inflation. Uh, so you've got the CPI we just touched on. There's also the RPI. Mm. Very confusing that you've got two. What is the RPI? So the RPI is a sort of historical measure. It was uh, first created in about 1948. And over time, it has essentially fallen out of favour. There are some ways it's put together that mean it's not particularly good. Uh, and we think it doesn't actually measure inflation very, very well. But there are people who've signed contracts, legal contracts with RPI in them, that means it continues to run. So some people have signed contracts that last 30 years with RPI in it, so we can't actually stop it, or even 50 years. And what does that actually stand for, the RPI? So it's the Retail Prices Index. Is that your rival measure, the RPI? Well, we call it... A is leg- there a bit of beef between the seat? Be honest, do you slag the RPI off? <laughs> well, as I said, we, we don't particularly like the, the RPI. We're not particular fans, uh, fans of it, but we know it's going to be around for a while. Next week, we'll get someone from the RPI and say what they think about you. Yeah. <laughs> the inflation rate that we usually talk about is an average of some typical things that you may or may not buy, I think is where we've got to. Yes, there yeah. is nodding. Not meat so paste. Yes. Not meat so Well, we'll talk about that later. But obviously, some prices are rising way faster than average. And I've had a look into one area where that's the most stark, which is concert tickets. So we're going to play a little game I like to call Bread versus Beyonce, where we compare the price of bread and the price of concert tickets over uh, a series of different years. Steve, are you ready to play Bread versus Beyonce? I was born ready for this. Okay, nice. So the first year, we are in 1998. It's the Spice Girls! Oh, I'm impressed. I was eight years old, I'm dancing to this in my bedroom. Ah. So, in 1998, a loaf of white sliced bread cost 50p. Mm. How much was a concert ticket to go and see the Spice Girls? To go and see the Spice Girls in 1998. Singing such classics as Stop Right Now, Too Much. I reckon uh, maybe £30. That's actually too high. It's less than that. Really? It was actually £23.50. That's a bargain for the girls, that isn't it? Is a, literally, it to really is. To go and see five of the most talented musicians of their generation. <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify, you didn't get that one. Zero points. Next, 2002. Lucy Liu, with my girl Drew. Who's that, Steve? Uh, Destiny Child. That is Destiny Child. Mate, you're going up in my estimation. Let's get a drink. No, I know pop music. Oh, thanks. <laughs> what did you think of me before? Well, anyway, so it's 2002. Destiny's Child are independent women. Bread has gone up from 50p to 58p. How much is a ticket to see Destiny's Child at Wembley Arena? I think maybe it's gone up a bit. £26.80. Close, £25. Oh, really? So that's not going much. British pounds. £1.50. Oh, it, might, it might be a restricted view. We haven't researched that, did we? Probably sat behind a pen. And that is what you're going for, really, the view. So you get a restricted <laughs> view, that's a nightmare. Exactly, right. Play on. So, 2012. You know what? I don't even know this song. Oh, wait, Jonathan. Well, it was, it was Stone Roses. Uh, oh. Fool's Gold. 
It is. Oh, right. That is. So now even someone who wasn't playing has got a point. Oh. <laughs> Very impressive. It's 2012. Bread has skyrocketed from 58p to £1.20. Whoa! Yeah, I know. Outrageous. How much was a ticket to see the Stone Roses' hugely successful comeback show... I mean, first of all, bread. What's bread playing at? I mean... Doubling its price like yeah, that. No. It's been a while, though. It's been it's 10 years. It's bit big for its boots. It's been 10 years, yeah. Um, I think it's gone up quite a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. I'd say in 2012, maybe £40 pounds to see the Stone Roses. Maybe it was 55 Nah, too much. I wouldn't yeah. go. Would you have gone, Jonathan, to see that? Uh, if I could have got a ticket, yes. Oh. You'd pay £55? Pounds? Uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's back to our supply and demand. You know, there's a there was a long queue of people mm. of a certain age, my age. You could have got 40, <laughs> 42 <laughs> loaves of bread for that. Yeah, yeah. Could you? I don't know. Did you just do that, man? <laughs> no, I think that's roughly right. No, that's not right, is it? Okay. All right. The final round, it's this year, it's 2018. Yeah, I hate us corny with that Illuminati mess. Yeah, no idea. It's um, come on. It's uh, it's Beyonce, isn't it? It is. It is. It's Beyonce. Destiny Child fame. Beyonce. Old Destiny Child fame. (laughs) The game is called Bread versus Beyonce. Yeah, but we had Beyonce in the previous answer, so it's not ridiculous to think that it wouldn't be her. Right. So. It's 2018, Beyonce is touring with her husband Jay-Z. How much is a ticket to go and see them? Bread is £1.6. Let's not forget that bread was £1.20 in 2012 mm. and Stone Roses were £55. So bread's gone down. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think concert tickets would have gone down though. I think at least £60. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Is it? It was 85. Too much. That's mad. It's Beyonce and Jay-Z. And Jay-Z. No, they don't need that much money. Selfish. That was like the middle one. That was the middle one. That really? was the one where you were just sat outside with some binoculars. <laughs> I don't think you got any points in that game. I did. I got no. Spice Girls and Destiny's Child. Yeah, they were half points though. Right. So you got one solid point. But it's not just Beyonce who's charging a lot. Average ticket prices for big arena gigs have doubled since the late 1990s. So the average ticket cost was £22.58 in 1999, and it's risen to £45.49 in 2016. Rajiv Prabhakar from the Open University, why do you think that concert tickets are going up in price so much quicker than bread? There's lots of different ways that you can increase the supply of bread. You know, you can. there's lots of different bakers, the costs of bakers and so on but there's only kind of one Beyonce. She's irreplaceable. I said no singing. (laughs) And so so actually, because the supply of bread can be increased quite a lot, whereas it's not easy to have a lot of supply. You've only got a big few. Can't increase the supply of Beyonce. There you go. If I Unless you could clone Beyonce. Mm. Jonathan, why did bread go down between 2012 and 2018? Things uh, like bread, the raw materials are traded internationally. And so mm-hmm. wheat is traded internationally. It's also traded in dollars. So if the pound falls against the dollar, the price of wheat in pounds goes up. And also if there's a global shortage of, of wheat, that pushes the price up uh, too. So those sorts of things were happening around 2010, 2011. You can see a lot of that in our, in our statistics. It caused price of bread and other similar foods to go up and then it falls back down again. So to sum up, things go up in price more quickly if they're harder to reproduce. Or put more simply, bread is easy to make and there's only one Beyonce. 
So that's inflation. But what about deflation? People always talk about deflation as being bad, but it's not immediately obvious why it is bad. I mean, on first glance, it sounds great. Things are getting cheaper. Yes, please. And then I met Mike. So, Mike, you paid full price for a sofa last week. Um, yeah, it was a full suite, uh, matching poof, with an extended four-year warranty. It was £2,599. OK, and, and then what happened, Mike? Um, it was Saturday night and we were watching the Chase Celebrity Special and um, an advert came on. And what did the advert say, Mike? It said um, there was a sale now on and then our very own sofa flashed up and it was £1,599. That is terrible. How did it make you feel? <laughs> it just makes me worry, you know? About ever spending money ever again. I just, just in case I find it advertised for cheaper while I'm watching the Chase Celebrity Special. <laughs> God, sorry. If you've been affected by any of the issues Mike faced, please see our website. That was a very real-life example of what might happen if deflation occurs. If prices are going down, then people will just stop spending money. Why would anyone spend a day when it'll be cheaper tomorrow? And, and why would you buy something tomorrow if it's going to be cheaper next week? And then why would you buy anything next week if it, you think it's going to be cheaper? That You get the idea, that could go on forever. But people will just stop spending, the economy would slow down, we'll go into recession, and no one would have any sofas to sit on. It'd be a disaster. Rajiv Prabhakar, from the Open University, what exactly is deflation? Deflation is just where prices are actually beginning to come down again and people stop spending. And so if people stop spending, suppliers will have to start cutting their prices again. And so actually you're getting a downward trend in that, in that case. So as the case study showed, if you expect that prices are going to fall, you're not going to spend. And then this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Have we ever got close to deflation in the UK? When the financial crisis happened in about 2008, we saw consumer price index fall very, very close to zero, but it, didn't, it wasn't sustained. And that's you know, partly because we have independent institutions like the Bank of England who are tasked with trying to make all those interventions to help the economy keep growing and avoid that, that deflation. So the, but the government does have targets around this stuff then? In, indeed. So the government sets a, 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 an inflation target. It asks the Bank of England to have inflation at 2%. Um, and it's then for the Bank of England, through all the, the things it can do, whether it's interest rates or other ways of nudging the economy along, to help meet that target. That is a little teaser for next week when we're going to be talking about that in a bit more detail. Thanks for setting that up. Rajiv, why is it 2%? Because a little bit of inflation, actually, is reasonable for the economy in the sense that if I expect prices to go up a little bit, I might be inclined to spend now. OK, so inflation in a nutshell. Inflation happens when there isn't enough stuff to go around. If it gets really high, it can cause total chaos and start having a massive effect on people's lives. But if it becomes deflation, it means, ultimately, people could lose their jobs. Now, the inflation rate they mention on the news is just an average. It might not actually mean much to you if you spend all your money on miso paste or chia seeds. And there's only one Beyonce. 
coming up next time on Economics with Subtitles. What a coffin full of car keys has to do with interest rates. The ultimate battle to the death of the ages, borrowers versus savers. And what your choice of films says about taking out a loan. That's next week on Economics with Subtitles. Your everyday guide to economics and why you should care. Economics with Subtitles was presented by Aisha Thomas-Smith and me, Steve Bougea. It was produced by Simon Mabin and Phoebe Keane. If you liked it, tell your mates. I know that feeling. You've just caught up on your regular podcasts. Now, how do you decide what to listen to next? There are just too many. What you need is Podcast Radio Hour from BBC Radio 4 Extra. I'm Amanda Litherland, and each week I offer up recommendations of the best podcasts that are out there. I invite guests to choose their favourites too, and we chat to podcast creators about the inspirations behind their episodes. We featured Deborah Francis-White, Carrie Lloyd, Will Young, even Alec Baldwin. Whether you're looking for crime, comedy, conversation or something completely different, discover your next favourite podcast with Podcast Radio Hour. Find it wherever you found this.